Welcome to the Global Good Podcast, where each week we'll travel around the globe meeting the most incredible people doing the work that's truly making the world a better place. From the peaks of the Himalayas to leagues under the sea, join us as we embark on adventure for good. Hello, everyone, and happy January. I hope your 2022 is off to a great start. I'm Nicole Roberts, and we're back with another diversion episode. If you're new to the show, every other week we pause where we are in our travels for good and take an opportunity to stop and notice the little things we might otherwise miss on this planet we share. The quirks in history, sayings, habits, traditions, you know, the stuff that connects us all. And when it comes to the planet, there's nothing bigger, literally, than our oceans that connect us. If we care about preserving our planet, the importance of our ocean's health cannot be overstated. They cover more than 70% of the Earth's surface and produce more than 50% of our oxygen. Unfortunately, our daily actions can be incredibly detrimental to the ocean's health we so desperately need. Consider this fact. A garbage truck's worth of plastic enters our oceans every minute, but it never really disappears. That means as you listen to this episode, about 30 tons of plastic will enter our oceans, permanently impacting their ability to sustain life, unless, of course, we find a way to change that course. This episode, we're specifically setting sail to the North Pacific Gyre, better known along with its collective surrounding gyres as the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. The Garbage Patch is a region of the Pacific Ocean that has become a collecting point for much of the ocean's flotsam, or floating garbage. Think of it as a few different areas where the currents and natural rhythms of the ocean converge a lot of crap. And by crap, I generally mean plastic. So come aboard as we head to the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, an area where thanks to both natural currents and our negligent contamination, plastic is turning our oceans into chemical soup. For some context for our listeners not familiar with what we're talking about today, and that admittedly included me until a few months ago, here's some background information on what we'll be talking about today. Each year... Americans alone throw away more than 100 billion, with a B, polyethylene plastic bags. And not just grocery shopping bags. Think about your sandwich bags, your food-to-go bags. On top of that, there are 3 million water bottles tossed away every hour and 500 million plastic straws a day, again, all here in the U.S., Almost all of these products are only used one time, but each and every one of those single-use plastics hangs around in our oceans for more than 20 years and really never totally goes away. I'll be honest, when I started this episode, I had a really hard time wrapping my mind around the numbers. For instance, In 1997, 25 years ago, the U.S. Academy of Sciences estimated there's a total of 6.5 trillion tons of litter going into our oceans per year. Again, that was a quarter century ago, 
and we make 300 million tons of plastic every year. That's more plastic produced every year than the weight of the Earth's human population. I mean, how do you even process how much litter that will eventually become? But what I began to realize that's really important to take away isn't the specific big numbers, but instead being able to understand the impact that our individual and collective choices have on the world's gyres, spread across our oceans, and how that plays a big part in our ecosystem. So even if none of those huge numbers sank in for you, just think about this going forward. At the rate we're going, there will be more plastic than fish by weight in our oceans by 2050. So what and where exactly is the Great Pacific Garbage Patch? Well, by its name, it's obviously in the Pacific Ocean. More specifically, the patch is actually comprised of the Western Garbage Patch, which is near Japan, and the Eastern Garbage Patch, which is between Hawaii and California. These Areas of spinning debris are linked together by the North Pacific Subtropical Convergence Zone. It's a mouthful. It's located a few hundred kilometers, or a couple hundred miles for American listeners, north of Hawaii. This convergent zone is where warm water from the South Pacific meets with the cool water from the Arctic. And then this zone acts like basically a highway where debris from one small patch just moves and rounds and cycles to the others. While some people like to think of this garbage patch as an island, because that's easier to visualize, it's actually more like a smog. You see, it can't really be seen from satellite images because it's not a floating island in one big lump. Plastic in the gyre is constantly in the process of breaking down into smaller and smaller pieces, and while they do become micro-sized over time, they don't fully biodegrade and go away. They just keep getting smaller, which then disperses into every ounce of water. In the ocean, plastic absorbs toxic chemicals like PCB and DDTs, Chemicals linked to endocrine disruption and cancers. A tiny piece of microplastic can be one million times more toxic than the ocean water around it. This is because not only do the plastics absorb chemicals, but their degradation process releases other toxic chemicals. These toxins, both in the microplastics and in the surrounding water, work their way up our food chain and right onto our plates. Animals and people both digest the toxins on a regular basis with very negative consequences. In fact, based on research all over the world, every person examined on earth has levels of chemicals in their bodies from plastic. To me, one of the most insane aspects of knowing this is that plastic wasn't introduced until the 1950s. The 1950s! All of these problems and all of those huge, impossible to wrap our heads around numbers are the result of people's choices, actions, and desire for convenience over the past 70 years. We've done all of this in 70 years. Because plastics never really biodegrade, those cheap and easy solutions have done an immense amount of danger, and there's no end in sight. 
Unfortunately, we all have to take responsibility for the crisis posed by our overuse and improper disposal of plastics. 95% of plastic in the ocean comes from land. So even if you're landlocked in the middle of a country, everything you throw away, including what you recycle, and I'm trust me, using big air quotes around the word recycle, but we'll come back to that later, potentially ends up in the ocean. While researchers first discovered the damaging trash gyres by stumbling upon swaths of garbage floating in the Pacific Ocean, either right on the surface or just below it, that's not the only place it resides. When it's breaking down into millions of tiny pieces, the seafloor beneath the Great Pacific Garbage Patch also becomes a trash heap. Per National Geographic, Oceanographers and ecologists recently discovered that about 70% of marine debris eventually sinks to the bottom of the ocean. So how does that really affect us? Well, even if teeny tiny fish or sea creatures ingest a tiny amount of this cocktail of contaminants, the mackerel or tuna that eats a lot of those tiny fish accumulate all the millions of particles. Then predators consume that secondary level and collect all the toxins from the tiny fish that were eaten by that tuna or mackerel. And the further up the food chain we go, the more concentrated the toxic contaminants become. Testimony by researchers before the US Congress revealed that when testing the consumable parts of shrimp, mussels, and other seafood, 95 to 100% of that consumable tissue that we eat tested positive for microplastics. Chemicals in the microplastics we all consume then mess with our fertility and genetics, and to be honest, that of animals too. Changes to the human body range from cancers to reproduction issues to developmental and behavioral issues. For example, in Japan, a country in which consumption of seafood, particularly seafood from the Pacific Ocean, is a large part of daily life, high levels of chemical ingestion has been linked to miscarriages and infertility. Additionally, Inuit women, who also consume large quantities of potentially toxic seafood, have been found to have toxic milk when breastfeeding their babies and have been asked to use formula. There is research to suggest that these women are also producing fewer males and smaller male babies due to the ingestion of microplastic toxins. Eating animals high up on the food chain, like marine mammals that have consumed all that compounded toxin, it increases the impact that those microplastic toxins have on the human body. Sadly, the impact of microplastic toxicity is not just biological. As is the case with many injustices, individuals who are economically disadvantaged suffer the greatest detriment. Cheaper foods are more likely to have higher concentrations of chemicals from microplastics and less likely to be properly processed to remove those dangerous toxins. However, not only do poor individuals consume these products disproportionately, they're also often working in the industries and factories producing the plastics and in the waste centers breaking it down. 
This happens across the world, in many locations and countries that people don't even think about. And while the goods may be cheap, the truth is the price paid is very high. It's argued that the bulk of trash, including all that we send to low-income countries, more than dwarfs any of the clean air and water cleanup efforts high-income countries put into place. As Curtis Ebsmeyer, an oceanographer, estimates, a one-liter bottle will break into enough pieces to put a particle on every mile of beach in the world. When you add those pieces up collectively, according to the ocean cleanup, in 2020 alone, 7.25 million tons of plastic could have been extracted from our oceans. That's the weight of 1,000 Eiffel Towers floating in the gyres. But what makes this even more terrifying than thinking about the human and environmental impact is that we've created a problem that is so big, but so dispersed, there isn't a magic scooper or area in which we can contain the damage. What if we globally say, change course tomorrow, no more plastics at all, no more waste, no more littering, Could we reverse course? No. Unfortunately, that ship, as they say, has sailed. While this would prevent us from suffering an even worse situation in the future, it cannot change the plastics and waste that already exist, currently contaminating our oceans. So what are we to do? Because of the complex forces of nature at work and the minuscule size of microplastics, Filtration-style ocean cleanups are not a feasible solution. According to the National Ocean Service, it would take 67 ships an entire year of dragging massive filtration nets across the ocean to clean up less than 1% of the waste that floats in just the northern Pacific Ocean. On top of that, current technologies may cause harm to marine life scooping them up along with the trash we attempt to target. The other issue is that these types of ocean cleanups fail to get to the core of the problem. What happens to plastic debris after it's collected? I mean, it doesn't disappear. A solution would require a way to clean the ocean, disposed of the waste in a climate-friendly way, and prevent future plastic and other waste from being dumped into the ocean all over again. You might ask, If we were to find a way to clean up the ocean, couldn't we recycle all that plastic into new goods? Unfortunately, recycling isn't going to solve this crisis either. Only 9% of the plastic waste ever produced has been recycled. I mentioned earlier on in the episode that we would have a little chat about recycling, so let's quickly address that right now. And this might hurt some of you who are really attached to doing your part by using a blue or green bin. And I don't want to discourage you from continuing to do so. But according to five gyres, even if you diligently place your plastic in a recycling bin, it's probably not getting turned into another product. Remember, most plastics are made from fossil fuels. And without a profitable market in which to sell recycled plastic, It's not cost-effective for recycling companies, particularly in high-income countries, to process it. So what are we to do? Well, many of us 
sell it to low-income nations where the same recycling capabilities don't exist. Remember when I said earlier that the trash in low-income countries is offsetting the high-income countries' efforts? Well, what I was really saying is that we're a big part of the problem, but we like to make ourselves feel better. How? By shipping our trash to other people. You see, in 2011, China imported nearly half of America's plastic waste. When that country began restricting these imports in 2014, plastic exports from the U.S. to Indonesia magically increased by 219%. Sadly, that means many claims that politicians like to make are really just saying America has less trash because we pay to mail it somewhere else. I mean, imagine if we use those tax dollars to work towards actual solutions as opposed to shipping our problem, ironically across the oceans, to other people. Ultimately, the idea that we can individually fight things like climate change or the massive dumpster that has become the Pacific Ocean by putting some plastic in a blue bin is not enough. While doing what you can is important and beneficial, and I'll give you some other specific ways shortly, supporting the idea that if everyone recycled, we could just fix this problem, that allows policymakers to continue placing the blame on individuals when failed policy and misguided priorities are really at the core of the problem. And so what if recycling isn't enough and broad-scale filtration-style ocean cleanups are not feasible? What can we do? Burning plastic has been suggested in some circles, but despite what plastic and chemical industries pose as a solution, burning or incinerating the plastics would release large amounts of carbon dioxide along with other toxic chemicals into the air, further polluting the environment. Maybe you've heard about plastic-eating microbes. That sounds promising. Could they eat microplastics? Well, some studies have indicated that plastics may be degraded by microbes, but it's important to note that these studies are done in labs where conditions don't replicate real life. Releasing microbes on the world's oceans may have unintended and even more devastating consequences. So it's not a realistic solution at the moment until it can be studied more and scaled up safely. But we can't lose hope. Fortunately, there are people, organizations, and agencies doing some incredible work. One that has gotten quite a bit of attention is the ocean cleanup a Dutch foundation that has been through several iterations of their net and filtering systems. The concentrated plastic caught can be extracted and shipped to shore. But what this company to date has really shown is that there is no magic net that can solve this problem. As we've already discussed, the problem is just too big, paradoxically, with small pieces that are too small and constantly moving. The Plastic Pollution Coalition is a global alliance of more than 1,200 organizations, businesses, and thought leaders that spans 75 countries. Uh, the Plastic Pollution Coalition is working toward a world free of plastic pollution. They're even targeting how we visualize single-use plastics in movies and television, hoping that we replicate better behavior. 
they have some really good research, which uh, I'll be sure to link on our website if you want to learn more. You can also join hashtag Team Seas, T-E-A-M-S-E-A-S. It's a competition-style, donation-based cleanup project partnering with influencers and those who are solution-oriented. Additionally, changing your daily choices and actions can make a difference. How can you change your behavior to create less waste and prevent the plastic trend from moving at the same speed? Well, let's talk about some easy steps that you can implement in your daily life. First, use or buy products that come in compostable plastic. It's not perfect and the right conditions have to be met for it to completely break down, but because it's made from plants, it really is compostable. Bring your own bags whenever you're shopping. Just stick them in your wallet, take them with you. Or buy in bulk so you use less bags and order less packaging. And use reusable items such as water bottles. That's something that you can clean in your own home and use daily. Last, volunteer for cleanups, whether you're near a beach or landlocked, but with a local lake or stream nearby. They all need hands to clean up trash. Well, this might seem like a lot for this episode, and I know it can feel hopeless. It's not. We as humans created these problems, and we can make changes to stop it. We can take any number of steps to keep trash, waste, and especially plastics from entering the oceans. That can happen at the broadest level, with each of us advocating for our governments to take more action. And it can happen at the individual level by making better everyday choices. Now, before we close, please remember to share your ideas for diversion topics or any stories that you might have that relate to our episodes on diversions or people and places of interest. Email stories at theglobalgoodpodcast.com. We want to hear from you. The societal bonds that tie us together are so important in helping us stay afloat. And we're really not different from one another. So your story is bound to connect with others. If you haven't already, definitely go check out our Instagram page at the Global Good Podcast and our Twitter at Global Good Pod. And keep your eye on the YouTube page at youtube.com slash the Global Good Podcast. We will have another interview coming out soon where we'll be joined by one of the funniest and smartest Irishmen I've ever met as he takes us under the water, literally, to where he lives working on the world's Nemo project. So make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening or watching and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our new episode is up. As always, we really appreciate the reviews on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. They are the best way to spread the word about our show. I look forward to joining you all next week and on our next adventure. This week's episode was researched and written by me, Nicole Roberts, with assistance by Tyler Wyckoff. Audio and video by Willpower Productions.